Welcome to another of the short Crude Street podcasts, which Jonathan Strawn and I have been doing since March, it seems. And today I am delighted to be able to connect all the way uh, to Durham in, in England uh, with um, Hugo and British Fantasy Award winning writer Jeanette Ng. How are you this morning, Jeanette? Um, hello, I'm all right. Uh, it, it is uh, the afternoon here, but also fine. <laughs> right, it's, it's the afternoon there, and uh, I, I, I hope time differences I, are hilarious, aren't they? The, the, you should try to coordinate one of the three or four timeway time difference things when Jonathan in Perth, Australia, and okay. someone in the UK, and myself in Chicago. <coughs> Somebody's some yeah it's it's nightmarish but I I hope that in Durham you're away from the worst of the pandemic which seems to be centered around London as far as I can tell Birmingham right now um, oh really it's bad in Birmingham they've, they've got a Birmingham's down in a I've got a local lockdown sorry it's it's not fun news or anything but I, uh, I've got a I've got Birmingham. I yeah I know I, I I have friends there too and I I I don't take any pleasure in knowing that your country has screwed things up almost as badly as my country has. <laughs> Uh, they love saying not as bad as them, but it's like, uh, it's really a prize. Is, is that really a prize? <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, um, but um, things are um, things are relative north. Uh, the weather's really nice. Um, I've been out with the dog. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm blessed. I'm incredibly lucky near a lot of woodland. So um, very old at that. Like, um, well, because they are very old, they, they mm. have that old forest. Like, like you're talking to something that's just way just older than my brain can quite parse um and that's that's always quite it's it's always uh, something that has occurred to me I, I've, I've talked to uh, a number of people on these short uh, discussions about how that seems to have affected british fantasy over the years that people um for example liz williams lives in glastonbury and there's this whole tradition going back to, to, to Robert Holstock and going back before that probably to Arthur Mackin. And a lot of it seems to have to do with, with these ancient woods. Yeah. Well, um, Glastonbury, I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah. Um, but no, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, um, like, um, I mean, I, 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 my, my own book, uh, very influenced by the Brontes, who are mm. obviously, it's all about the Yorkshire Moors um, and, and rolling around in the Yorkshire Moors. Um, but I don't know that the landscape is it's small like it always feels small compared with, like when Americans talk about the landscape they talk about something that kind of goes on for forever yes for like basically forever whereas here you know when I say oh yes I've got something you could walk from one end to the other in like half an hour but but it's 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 that like at least what captivates me about it is that sense of history it's not even that it's natural it's that you could read the layers of human interaction um, in it. So you can look at some trees and go, well, you know, those tr- those trees, they've been copped. Like someone's intentionally done that thing to it that makes them um, makes the, the trunk kind of break into smaller trunks so mm-hmm. that it's easier to break off to make firewood, just make stuff out of it. And, and they haven't harvested in the remaining years, but th- that's what's happened to that tree. It doesn't grow naturally like that. Or the fact that when you kind of run in, kind of a grove of these and there's no there's basically nothing in the ground near them because yew trees are low-key poisonous and they oh, basically okay. kill everything well, that's why they're associated with death like people plant them in graveyards because they grow in graveyards because they're very good at growing and not much um, <laughs> they're very hardy um but also they're low-key poisonous so 
they just there won't be the same amount of undergrowth underneath them and in, in, compared to another tree so that gives them that strange aura of almost stillness and death um and then they, they have this have a wonderful kind of creepy look to them so they're, they're great um and yeah. i i recently as well um uh-huh. for convoluted um personal backstory reasons but like <laughs> um but it's I, I I'm I, I'm very do that and it's it's nice have an excuse to in the forest I don't know it, it when I was young I was like who wants to walk anywhere who wants to teleport <laughs> but um but now like you know I make my dog happy and whilst that's happening I stare at lichen for like twenty so, it sounds magical actually and maybe that's what one of the reasons that British fantasy has this <laughs> magical you you've just described. Uh, about three or four or ten different kinds of portals to fantasy worlds. Yeah, and I think it's quite, I think it's quite common. Like they, they, they recur in, in, in folklore as well. Like a lot mm. of this, a lot of this feeds into folklore, which then inspires fantasy writers. And, and I always kind of find it fascinating when, um, especially American authors. And, and this isn't like some kind of, this isn't that they're wrong, but it's, it's sometimes quite tangible when an American author has obviously read and done very extensive research. And, and again, like this is not an insult. Like I really respect the amount of research they have obviously mm. done. And, but there's that moment where I'm really just can sort of taste it it's like you've not been there like uh-huh. you, you you've you've read that hawthorne meets things in folklore but you don't and, and it has these kind of liminal space things, but you've not the way hawthorne like people plant hawthorne around around their property that's why hawthorne has a space thing associated with it uh-huh. um farmer like for early centuries so you could see the edges of fields based on where old hawthorn trees are in hawthorn shrubbery like it, it's very tangible um and, and the thing like that it's very obvious that they have read a book a folklore book probably a lot of books about mm-hmm. what these things mean and the symbology of them but haven't necessarily seen it in action and seen that moment where you're like oh that's why mystical because you uh-huh. see mistletoe like being one bright, like, you know, white fruit leaves on top of a completely barren tree. Like, you know, it has no leaves, basically dead, and the mistletoe is on it, and it just seems cool. Like, it just kind of crawls across your skin, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that has to. There's no reason for that <laughs> other than to be special, because the entire tree is dead, and that thing's not. That's, and, and that's significant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm now completely envious of where you live. And <laughs> I, I wish I could be. That's, that's kind of the thing that, like, I, I it, it's... It's easy to understand what it, the symbol, like you see the symbology of it all the time. Mistletoe is special. Mm-hmm. They're mistletoe, and you hear that a lot. But the thing that gets me is how it, what got there, and that's that that gets me very excited. And and I've, I don't know, I've, I've been, I've, I've, I've probably played my overplayed my hand, but I, I really want to write a weird novel about about British folklore. But um, well, that that brings us more or less to what uh, these these short discussions are all about, which is oh yeah, what are you reading? Um, well, um. Uh, very depressing. Um, <laughs> so I've picked up um, Sacred Uyghur History by Rian Thumb. Um, and, and I'm very sorry to Rian if I've mispronounced the name there. But um, and it's uh, it's a it's it's about it's about Uyghur history, um, you know, who are currently being genocided in China. Oh, and yeah. I, I felt I, 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 I realized I don't really know enough about them as as I and um, and I picked this up. Um, and it's it's about last um, hundred years of and it, it's 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 a very academic. It talks a lot oh. about the of how um, the manuscript tradition of how their texts get, um, like get collected by collectors and the anecdotes of the collectors and how they all come down to us um, uh-huh. now, um, as well as the kind of oral tradition and how Chinese 
practices. I mean, frankly, colonials of of successive generations of these governments have have tried to shape, oppress, and wipe out various traditions. And like, you know, at first, like some stuff is relatively, arguably quite mild, just about how the interaction with mosques and so forth, which, but that still changes their relationship with history right. and, and their ritual practices. And, um, and obviously there is the much more recent stuff of the genocide, um, which is, I know, that's... is less specifically about, this is more the, the kind of the, the centuries of, and, and because um, uh, East Turkestan, Xinjiang, where it's located, it's kind of basically in this like on, on it's, it's basically a chunk of the silk what we would call the silk road um they have a lot of influences from different places but kind of weirdly they're also kind of cut off from a lot of the wider tradition so it's kind of this weird paradox where they have a lot of um different influences like they have like semitic iranic and turkic and indic influences all these kind of silk road cultural import kind of go through them and, and they have all these little bits so you know kind of plays into the title sacred roots but they, they also are kind of arguably isolated from kind of the wider muslim world in a way that means that they they've kind of evolved their own thing that is mm-hmm. um, like and again like i i perhaps don't know enough of academic tradition or the real world tradition to really appreciate this book but but i i slog through i there's some academic part of me that really likes reading about people reading books and copying out books and talking about books to each other Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a, which is one of the chapters is the manuscript kind of talking about the way books are transmitted um, um, and copied out and, and so on and so forth and that's that's really cool. I, I, it, I, is. I, it, it is it is heavy. It's not uh it's not I, I mean the, the blurb just say everyone, but but it is a little. <laughs> um, well, and, it, and it also has stuff like you know it, it talks about things like you know, graffiti and <clears throat> and like it's it's very broad. It does sound exciting. It sounds also. Uh, a little, I, I guess, a little depressing, getting given the recent history. Uh, I'm sorry, um, but the, you well, did ask what I was reading. I, I, excuse you. I, okay, let, let, let me let me put it a, another way. Then one of the other things is uh, this is not what it sounds like comfort reading, and by comfort reading I mean things that you would either read or recommend for people during a stressful time like this. And and by by this I mean a lot of people have talked about reading murder mysteries. Some people have talked about it's time to read The Fairy Queen all the way through. Or Really? Well, I suppose, I mean, sorry, the one of the few things I know about The Fairy Queen, one of Jasper Ford's books, it's uh-huh. a joke that Thursday next isn't allowed to die and sing The Fairy Queen. <laughs> um, and it's incredibly tedious. So you really struggle. Well, um, there, there are good bits of it, but reading the whole thing is, you know, uh, it's like deciding I'm going to read all of Proust, I guess. Well, I, um, I, the bits with Britomart are here. Mm. I, I went to an old, we had like a stained glass winter mart, um, of, um, one of the corridors. Well, do you have things that you find for, uh, to return to? And, oh, uh, comfort reading. Um, yes. I, I've, uh, so when I get very stressed, I, I fail at reviction. So my, my kind of comfort reaction box has been a list. <laughs> um, um. <clears throat> the last that I read for fun uh, was probably some manga. I read um, uh, Delicious in Dungeons, and that was, uh, but it's about, uh, well, so, like, you know, it's, it's on a classic Dungeons and Dragons style character party. And uh-huh. They're going into a dungeon. Um, they need food, so their solution is to eat the monsters within the dungeon. Um, and it's um, it's it's translated into English. It's um, it, you could also get it on like Comicsology stuff, so mm-hmm. you don't have to 
the, the thing about manga is that once you get into manga, you own like 20 volumes and that's your entire book. It's incredibly depressing. Um, this is this is why I haven't gotten into it. I just don't have room like, for it. Um, so so like I, I recommend um, reading it on um, on ease for as, as for the result of that. But it's it's just incredibly um, if, if you're familiar at all with like Dungeon Dragons tropes uh-huh. um, and, and especially just kind of the weirder end of the monster manual. It's just a lot of fun. Um, and it, it gets a little dark because it, it is a dungeon. They are eating monsters. And there's always that kind of like, oh, monsters are gross kind of thing going on. Right. Um, but but it's it's every chapter is structured around a monster that they eat. Um, and it has a lot of little surprises like uh, at one point. Oh, what's it called? It's like Wolf in its Clothing, I think. Um, it's one of the dumber D&D, like the really, really weird D&D monsters where it's like literally that's on a bush. Um, sheep on a bush yeah like it's a monster and it's a sheep that's stuck on a bush and it's meant to like attract other monsters to it's it if you've not heard of it um, <laughs> you've not lost anything. this this is this is not um, th- this is not ringing any bells at all uh, funny that uh, but, but uh, and sometimes wear various types of um, that sounds interesting. um and it's uh and and it's it has a lot of the kind of aesthetic and emotional pleasures of just reading about peating that that is quite comforting and the art of the cooking is very is just very um and it has a lot of um kind of the standard kind of dungeon world building stuff mm-hmm. um where like there's a sort of ecosystem of magic which gets cycled through the dungeon like um how the dungeon stays like its structure and forth um uh and yeah it's 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 you also meant you you briefly mentioned Jasper Ford, which strikes me as being. Uh, it sounds to me like you're familiar with all the Thursday Next novels, and that's a whole that's a whole area of of fantasy of what somebody called biblio fantasy. You know, books that take place in other books. Oh, uh, I love I love Thursday. Next. Oh, God. Uh, I really love them. Uh, they 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 were quite formative for me. Like I think I I read the first one. Like I read them as. And I read them almost religiously um, when I was like um, in my early twenties. Uh, all this, um, and I and I love all the references. I know that it's one of those books where you will never get all the jokes, um, but that's kind of the joy of it. Like you kind of revisit and go, oh yes, I I, I spot one more ridiculous pun. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I, he's got he's got a few books out that I, I haven't, uh, partly because they're not overtly connected. Um, they're not Thursday next. Yeah, they're, they're they're, not, I've seen those. Uh-huh. Um, um, but I, I keep saying I'll get around them. Um, but yeah, no, the um, um, but the um, Thursday next is also very pleasing. It has the little um quotations at the beginning of each chapter, the um, the epigraphs, which yes, um, which is a trick that um I'm very fond of. I, I like hearing little voices from the world and that kind of builds it out for, um and like a trick that i brutally uh, plagiarize um <laughs> and um I, I, and um and i suppose like you know this that i kind of realizing now that we, how much i since my book is also a weird intertextual relation game there is also what i went for that's true um uh, i can't escape those books but um yeah oh the big over easy i was thinking about that because of all the um of all the detective hard-boiled and how how convoluted his his that the soul is um, and I was writing about it in terms of propaganda of like mm. the way we think about pol- and it was one of my examples of 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 police versus that's sorry. A, very, a very very good distinction of what they call police procedurals here I guess yeah uh, well anyway we're we're um oh we're way over our time we always are that's fine <laughs> no um, no we, uh, I, I want to go on with the discussion as much as much as we can but we have to 
we have to stop the recording and chat a little bit afterwards. <laughs> sure. Um, um, all of the above things, I think, are worth. Thank you very much. Well, again, this has been uh, Gary Wolf with the Coot Street Podcast, and and thank you so much, Jeanette Ng. Uh, you're welcome. Um, thank you for having me on your podcast. <laughs>